Welcome to Across the Gun Counter, guys. I'm your host, Joe Riva, joined by my co-host, Tyler Weaver. And we are here this week to discuss a, a topic that I'm kind of, I don't want to say not sick of this question, but it's a question I've been getting a lot at the shop lately, especially in light of recent events. There's been a lot of stuff in the news about braces and stocks. I mean, wouldn't you say, Tyler? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a question that comes around quite a lot. You know, what's a brace? What's a stock? What's a pistol? What's a rifle? What's not? And did you commit a crime or did you not commit a crime? Because it's very, very confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to even get into further rabbit hole, there's like the other firearms for states like New Jersey, New York, which uh, Tyler, you, (laughs) the one day you had to reach out to me about that actually. Oh yeah. Because I mean, being a gunsmith in Pennsylvania, I do deal a lot with customers from New York and New Jersey. And a lot of times it's like, you know what? There's so many companies pushing the bill with stuff that's like borderline legal it's like how how am i supposed to keep up in a you know a free state if you will (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing i always like to refer to pennsylvania as is a free state compared to new jersey because new jersey is extremely restrictive whether it be Mm -hmm. for a rifle handgun anything at this point new jersey is just not a fun place to be for firearms yeah so it's always nice to have a contact just to just to double check like hey man i feel like this you know, skates by the definition, but what's what's your take on it? You know, what have you heard? Yeah, and you know, the worst part is about that too is even since I left New Jersey and since I stopped working over in New Jersey, they've they changed even more since. Like, I've had more New Jersey oh, yeah. customers come in and tell me, oh, do you need my, I think it was like the digital FID and the there was something else for ammo the one guy was mentioning and I'm like, no, we just, that's, what is that? Like, I, like the, yeah. the one guy had another form the other day too and I was like no we just write a receipt yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of odd I'm just I mean they've changed since I left there and that was whew, maybe five years ago six years ago yeah and that that's part of the problem with being in the gun industry it's like shit's always changing all the time and there's serious consequences if you don't abide by the law so I mean and like think about it this way if you're driving down the road and suddenly it's like oh hey you can't make a right turn on red anymore they just you know overturned that last week it's like what the fuck nobody told me oh yeah it's like a local yeah, ordinance or something yeah. yeah yeah that that's basically what it's like being in the gun industry yeah and that's very unfortunate especially when it comes to braces stocks everyone's extremely extremely confused about it and i think now is a better time than any you know any other to touch base on it yeah it's, absolutely you know and this is this is another topic that i think is a very unique one for Tyler and I because it's not a topic that we agree 100% on not that we not that we don't agree we don't 100%. disagree but I'm I'm against braces yeah so, and and I'm more for braces I guess if you will yeah I mean don't get me wrong I understand their place in the industry but for me it's just it it's not my forte and that's fine I mean everyone has their own preferences everyone has their own takes on things which we can agree to disagree and like you like you said they have their place in the the industry and there's a reason for them it's just not something you've personally partook in yeah absolutely so let's get into it Matt what exactly is a pistol brace and like what what's their place in the industry why did they even come about the pistol braces, they came about, I want to say about like 2012-ish, somewhere in that area. And they were, it started with the SIG brace, if I recall correctly. And yes. basically what the SIG brace was, was up until this point was AR pistols. You basically just had this, this tube on the rear of the pistol. 
and you couldn't stabilize it by shouldering it by any means. If you wanted to put a stock on it, that would be then a short barrel rifle, which would be something you'd have to register. And the brace basically was designed for people with handicaps and disabilities to attach this stabilizing brace to their arms so they can help stabilize the pistol to shoot. And the pistols originally intended in mind were AR-15 style pistols. So of course, that's going to be a problem for some people because yeah, AR-15s are evil and bad apparently. Yeah, I mean, there was a while there where you saw adapter kits where people were running basically like buffer tubes on AK pistols so they could run a brace on them. Yep, and they became very popular very quickly. And then that... Mm-hmm. The next thing was they dove down a rabbit hole of people writing letters to the ATF of, is this legal? Is this not legal? Can I shoulder it? Can I not shoulder it? And that resulted in a whole nother... Oh, the big headache. Because the ATF responded with multiple letters, if I recall, the one basically saying, yeah, go ahead, shoulder it, because it's the idea was to design to stabilize. And the idea is there's nothing to actually with a a form of solid back for you to actually shoulder it like a stock. And then another letter came out that said, well, no, you can't shoulder it because if you're stabilizing it on your shoulder, you're doing what a stock is doing, basically. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the things I always thought where like the SIG brace was basically like a... uh, a rubber taco, if you will. <laughs> a rubber taco. Where, like, yeah, think of it. It's an upside down rubber taco where, yeah, it, it's pretty thick. <laughs> it's pretty thick rubber, but it still doesn't give you excellent support, even if you were to shoulder it. No. It you know what I mean? No, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, you do get some added benefits opposed to having just like the bare tube. Oh, just or something jamming like a buffer tube into your shoulder. Absolutely, yeah. but it's not as comfortable as people make it out to be. Like I've shot several different braces over the years. Basically, all of them. I've I've tried a decent number mm-hmm. of them, and a lot of the ones that people recommend that they say are more, you know, that they claim are to be better. I did not find as comfortable as people made out to be. Now, granted, I'm not saying no to braces or no anything like that. I just, I understand their limitations. Yes, some people may use them as a, I don't want to say a loophole, but because I I don't think that's the right term to use, but I know a lot of people are going to say it is. And, Um, but, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I I don't, I don't want to call it a loophole either. I, I would say it's more of an aesthetic thing where it's like, look, I want to be able to run a 10 and a half inch barrel, but I still want it to look like a rifle. If that makes sense, I want it to look proportionate. I want it to look balanced, not like the whole gun is up front. And then you have this tiny little tube that sticks out the back. Oh, exactly. With like maybe a piece of foam on it. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's something else to add to, to keep in mind there is with the stabilizing brace, you do have the added benefit of you have an added balance throughout the firearm. Oh, yeah. And it, it makes a world of difference. Oh, absolutely. And you're basically adding that. Yeah, you're adding a little bit of length to it, but you're also able to control your shots better. And a lot of people, when it comes to firearms and firearm safety, like, you know, they say, what is one of the first rules? You want to make sure you're controlling your firearm and knowing what you're hitting and what's behind your target. If you don't have something to stabilize your firearm properly, you're not going to be able to hit your target properly and your shots are going to go wide and what's going to happen. You're not going to... Joey, hold on, hold on. What I'm hearing you say is that pistol braces are actually safety equipment. Yes, I actually am saying that pistol braces <laughs> save lives. They don't they don't take away lives. They save lives because they allow people to stabilize their shots and make sure what they're shooting at is what they're shooting at. And they don't accidentally hit a bystander or they don't accidentally hit an animal or they don't accidentally hit something else. 
they hit what they're intending on because what is it doing? It's stabilizing the firearm. Yeah, but you know what would stabilize it a lot better? What's a that? stock. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. A, a stock would <laughs> stay- Just SBR the damn thing. See, but, and that's, hmm. see, and that's part of the issue is, do you want to register your firearm or not? And do you want to pay mm-hmm. a 200 tax to the government to register your firearm? Yeah, because let, let's be honest, $200 isn't an extreme amount, but it's enough of a hurdle where a lot of people are deterred from it, let alone the paperwork and the waiting period. Oh, yeah. I mean, and... wh- what's NFA wait times up to? Like, not e-file, like your standard paper form. Oh, about 11 months? Like 12 months? Yeah, yeah, 11, 12 months. Yep, I just had some guy tell me he was waiting on his e-file that's going on like seven months. Yeah, my e-files, I think up to, I think it might be eight. Really? What Jeez. month are we in? January? Yeah, I think January. I started that. Yeah, I submitted that in April. April of 2022. So, Jeez, and I thought the e-file was supposed to be quicker, too. Yeah, but then when you have everybody flood that, too, it's like, hey, we're right back to where we were. Yeah, it's, that's very true. So, and so, I don't know. So ATF it, needs to get more help in that department. Yeah, and I, I think on top of that, I think when it comes to the stock and brace thing and SBRing versus having a pistol, you know, I don't, why am I registering my gun? I don't want to register my gun. Like the whole way, you know, the gun registries are supposed to be illegal here in the United States. And technically, yes. Yeah. But you know how they get around that? It's not a registry, it's a tax. So, like when you have your SBR and your suppressors and all that, it's a tax. It is a registered firearm, but it's a taxed firearm. And that's how they get around it legally. Yeah. So, if the ATF ever asks for your tax stamp, you say, no, I only will show it to the IRS because it's a tax return, right? <laughs> that's how that works. Uh, you know, I was curious about the legality of that, but we're not lawyers, so... No, no, this show is for uh, entertainment purposes only. Yep, entertainment purposes, not legal advice. So if you think this is legal advice, well, you're screwed. (laughs) Because, quite frankly, we're not lawyers, so do not take any of this as legal advice. No, no. So now... But joking aside, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, back to the whole pistol brace, SBR thing. Now, what's your thoughts on using the pistol brace during your waiting period because that that's one thing i've considered i mean when i did my ar sbr because uh right now i'm up to three sbrs when i did my ar i built that as a pistol first with a pistol buffer tube on it while i was waiting for my tax stamp to get approved well it was just the pistol buffer tube so it's like well it's kind of pointless for me to take this to the range because, like you said, you can't control it or do anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it just sat in the safe with it in that legal configuration until the tax stamp was approved. So, so what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I like, think just that's more a, of like a, a placeholder. So for some people, if that's if you're intending to SBR the firearm and you're actually planning on going through it, I think that's a I think that's a cool idea. I I heard a number of people do that when they've come into the shop. In particular, I remember there was. One guy who I believe was transferring, it was a Gideon 2 or something like that. It was like the uh, like a UMP, not like the Tommy Built Tactical one, but another one. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, that it was it was interesting, but he said he was going to brace it until he actually got his SBR through. And I said, oh, that's cool. And some guy had a Robinson pistol transfer through and did the same exact thing, basically. He said, I'm going to brace it until I can get the, until I yeah. go file for my SBR. So if that's your if that's what you want to do as a placeholder, so you can still have fun with it and go to the range, go ahead, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that that's one thing for me that I see a a useful 
purpose with the the brace because like i said i'm i'm not a huge fan of it as a gunsmith i'd like to see firearms in their correct state Mm -hmm. so it's one of the things to me it's just it's not right see now there's numerous firearms where they act as a stabilizing brace and the stabilizing brace acts 100 percent as intended where you strap you know you actually put your arm through it yeah and use the strap and there are several firearms where that doesn't prove it and it's extremely surprising on the firearms it does not i shouldn't say it's extremely surprising because that's not the right term but it's ex- it, it's extremely comfortable on the firearms where it does work very well and the one like the per- sig brace the sig brace was one i always found like okay yeah i could see this yeah there was so similar to the sig brace there was one actually on one of your favorite style of guns which was the uh, the uzi the micro uzi in particular actually the new iwi ones oh yeah 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 dude that thing with a brace is so you actually have the brace and you actually put your arm through it and you can actually hold it like stabilize it 100% with just one-handed shooting. And okay. because the way the Uzi is designed is you know you have the magazine through the pistol grip and you have that rear kind of safety grip like a 1911, mm-hmm. it works very well. You could even put like a green dot, you could put a red dot. I say green dot in particular because mm-hmm. I always use green dots, stigmatism in the eyes and it works. It, it's amazing how well it works. Like, we were kind of joking about it at the shop the one day. Like, we were saying, like, you know, what could you drop an optic on? Originally, we were putting, like, a 4x12. Okay. And then I was like, let me throw let me throw a hollow sun on here real quick, and let me actually see how this works with the brace. And, yeah, I, you know, eyebrows raised, like, ooh. Huh, this this is, actually isn't too bad. No, this isn't too bad, and I would very much enjoy something like this. Now, what what's that, uh, like, the configuration? Is it just, like, a rubber... Like you, basically. I believe it was. It was very. I think the the brace itself was like the sig brace style, where it kind of had the okay. cam down, but it had the um that adapter on it, so it folded to the side. So it had like yep, a pistol yep, yep. tube attached to it. Yeah. So that was really cool and extremely comfortable. And shooting it in the original guys is very very comfortable. You there's no need to shoulder it or anything like that. Yeah. Now like I've seen other uh their braces, but it's all what hard plastic and it just kind of hinges one section of it down. Okay, like so, the the tail hook ones you're talking about? Yes. Now that always threw me because that was all what solid plastic, right? I yeah, it was polymer or I think some of them were actually metal, believe it or not. Yeah, so it's like okay, now, I understand it's designed as a brace, but functionally, that does have no difference from a stock. So, I'm going to... It's just a very uncomfortable... Okay, look at the MAC-10. You know, the MAC-10 has a very uncomfortable wire stock. It's well, still a stock. What would you do if I told you that, that that brace is a very similar brace that is on the Spaz-12 shotgun? Yeah. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, think about that. So if you if you fire that brace the same way that is designed, like a Spaz-12 braces where you hook that under your arm right that, mm-hmm. yep, that does have a purpose. You just realize now. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting you to believe in braces, Tyler. I really no, you'll, am. No, you'll never, you'll never get me to believe in braces. <laughs> Another thing I remember <laughs> seeing a while back, uh, what is it, SB Tactical. Where they started coming out with the, um, because like the SIG brace went over a straight buffer tube. So like you couldn't even put a stock on it. Then you have SB Tactical with the adjustable brace. And it's like, "Mm, see, that's really close to a stock. Yes. And 
So here's the thing. When they first announced pistol braces, legality aside, what they legally are and what they aren't is different what my thoughts are what, or Tyler's thoughts are. And that being said, when they first showed off the braces, I said, those are really cool. But I think that's kind of, I don't want to say asking for trouble, but I said could potentially lead to something. Yeah. Oh, I was I was in the same boat. And I think at the same time, they, what the hell was it? They had a MPX with a muzzle brake, brake in quotes, that was basically internal baffles of a, like a monocore suppressor mm-hmm. just without the tube over it. And I believe that got shot down. They're like, no, that that's not a muzzle brake. Yeah, that's that was along those gray area lines. Mm-hmm. And the thing I thought was going to be the, so again, here's the here's the issue is when it comes to the you know, the NFA and all these legal gray areas with firearms is there's never a 100 it seems like there's never a 100% clear definition or at times No, and they do that on purpose. So when you keep having these different definitions and different thoughts and you know, what's okay, what's not okay, it's extremely hard to keep track of as the individual who's not involved in the gun industry. I may or may not have seen people come in with a stock on a pistol before and like, that's a SBR. You need to get that out of here. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so, and I'm sure you may have seen something like that in the shop before too. Honestly, I have not, but I've had other gunsmiths contact me that are like, hey, this guy says this is a, br- this is a brace. It doesn't look like a brace. That's a stock. You know, when I take a look at it, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say that's a stock. That's a stock, not a brace. And yeah. that's the thing is, what is actually the legal definition of a brace and what is the legal definition of a stock? And wh- when you look at that is, I actually don't know if there is a 100% legal definition of a brace. Because if I if I recall, the initial, the initial approval letters was for the SIG brace and there was one other brace. And then based okay. off those two approval letters, they were going off and then all the other braces were being formed where they had to have a cut in them. They had to have some kind of slit. They couldn't have a solid backing for you to form like a normal stock. So okay. your, your normal stock is actually going to have a solid flat back or something something of that nature, whereas a brace is always going to have to have a hole or a cut where it's basically going to be loose and you're going to have to be able to somehow use that as a third point of contact. And the yeah. point with the SIG brace, you had the whole opening at the bottom that you could put your arm through and you had the strap that held it together. There's stuff like the the Keck, the shockwave blade, where that's designed to be a third point of contact on your your wrist area and your forearm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. So that one, if you look at it, it looks basically kind of like a, almost like a T and there's like, okay. yeah, and there's kind of like a, a cut in it that you can actually put a strap through, but they, the one I, back when I had the, the AR pistol years ago, I don't have that any any longer. That one had, that didn't actually ship with the, with the strap with it. So that one was never had a strap with it. So that was meant just as a third point of contact on your arm to kind of hold it out and kind of stabilize it, which kind of actually worked, believe it or not. Hmm. And uh, yeah, shouldering that, I can tell you, Mayor may not have been very uncomfortable and especially after shooting anything more than 10 15 rounds why oh, yeah what was it 12 gauge yeah it, <laughs> five five six becomes a lot more potent at that point and i know some people are really like, oh you're a bitch and you know what well uh it's just not comfortable and pleasant to shoot you can say it is but fine it's yeah. not and <laughs> i mean there are more there are some braces that are more comfortable than others in every which regard whether it be tapping against your your forearm or anything of that nature it's mm-hmm. There's there's a lot more, I think there's, 
every brace is kind of different. Yeah, definitely. Especially like the one back when I had the the Scorpion the Evo. That one was more like a a side folding one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that that that's got a lot of uh, polymer to it, doesn't it? That has a lot of polymer, and I know that one in particular has gotten a lot of flack because. Uh, and when I say it's gotten a lot of flack, I say a lot of criticism from, you know, the government beings, and you know because it's basically like a stock. And the reason they say it's like a stock is because it has it has two sides to it, basically. That it's really kind of difficult to actually get your arm through it comfortably. And so, so it's like the actual stabilizing brace was almost like an afterthought for how they're going to get it to work. Exactly. And so I think for some, some braces are a little bit more difficult for, I guess the ETF or other people to justify as actually braces or stocks, whether you agree with that or not, I guess is up to your own opinion at the end of the day. But you know, there is, there is a difference between a stock and a brace. And I think you should know it. And but now here's the thing where like, the ATF comes out with a definition. Okay, this is what a short barrel rifle is. Regardless, you're always going to have a industry that pushes and pushes and pushes to see how much they can get away with without making their the ATF's definition of a short barrel rifle. So it's one of the things, you know, are you constantly going to go back and forth? It's like, nah, that's too close. Ah, but that's okay. You know, just, I mean, like you were saying, look at the just when you look at stabilizing braces as a whole, you have the SIG brace all the way to like the tail hook that uh, the Scorpion brace, like you were saying, where it's like kind of difficult to use. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. but they're all stabilizing braces that do not meet the technical on the books definition of a short barrel rifle. Exactly. And if they don't meet the legal definition of a rifle, you can't just arbitrarily say without a lawmaking body, this is the new definition of well, we're going to change the rules now because all these people bought them and we don't like it. So now, hey, it doesn't meet the legal definitions of a stock, but we're going to say it meets the legal definitions of a stock because we don't like them. Yeah, which, so devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand, okay, the government didn't like SBRs. Essentially, the stabilizing brace allows you to have a legal form of SBR because it's still a rifle with a short barrel to make it more concealable. Mm-hmm. Which, which essentially is what it's doing, you know? So my thing with that is, okay, if you, the government is saying now in America, we have what, 10 to, between 10 to 40 million of these firearms in circulation. Who can count? I mean, plus not not even including receivers that people built as pistols themselves. Yeah, but w- what I'm getting at is, mm-hmm. okay, in in this current day and age, are these an issue? If there's 10 to 40 million of them, mm-hmm. What's the ratio of braced pistol firearms that are used in crimes compared to your average handgun? And wouldn't that in turn mean that, hey, maybe as a society, maybe we've earned that SBRs and SBSs get taken off the NFA registry? Yeah, exactly. Maybe at this point, stabilizing braces should be shown that, hey, the NFA is kind of pointless when it comes to short barrel rifles. I mean, I think the yeah, exactly. It was like maybe it was like our trial run. Like, hey, you guys actually can handle these now. It's not the Roaring Twenties, exactly. And that being said, we've seen time evolve. And so, when it comes to the short barrel rifles and the, and the braces, is yeah, they can't, they can't, they can't control them at this point. There's how many of them out there? Now the arbor, the the, the floodgates already opened. Everything's out there. How can you now say it's a short barrel rifle? And you know, yeah. I think without essentially discrediting yourself, 
Exactly. So actually, before wow, before we get too too much, actually, we've been going down this rabbit hole pretty far already. I know it, it's like a heated subject, and it is. And I'm already feeling it really myself. isn't yeah, thinking. I'm already subject. yeah, I'm already feeling not not amped up at you. Obviously, just it's just an amp up no, subject no, no. because uh, I just don't like the government telling us anything about anything. To be honest, and when it comes to the you know, let's talk about the National yeah. Firearms Act for a second because I I think this needs to be addressed as we're talking about pistol braces and stocks. And what is the National Firearms Act? And the National Firearms Act is. Basically, the first gun control act, you know, federal gun control act in the United States and was passed in 1934. And it was basically passed shortly after the St. Valentine's Day massacre, I believe it was. And the idea was to control things like machine guns, suppressors, short barrel rifles, and things that are under, I believe it was basically rifles under 18 or rifles under 16 inches in length, barrel length, and shotguns under 18 and a half are considered short barrel rifles or short barrel shotguns. And the idea was to help put a stop on crime and stop these machine guns and stop these, you know, short barrel weapons getting onto the streets and doing all this crime and damage. Well, the idea was these weapons were already, like, especially like Thompson submachine guns. Do you know why the National Firearms Act, why the cost of it is $200? Wasn't that the, like, the retail price of a Thompson submachine gun? Yes, 100%. So that, yep. They figured if you were willing to pay double it, you can have it. Yeah, and that was the idea. It was the idea to tax it so then who could afford them? The rich. The rich. And you know who else could afford them? Al Capone and his gangsters and all the criminals out there and yeah, all so that. So pretty much so, you were either you know, super wealthy or you know you had a- uh, Or you were a gangbanger. Criminal enterprise. Care. Yeah. And you didn't care anyway. So it's almost like they didn't follow the laws anyway. So these laws were put in place to prevent people from- who already don't follow the law, it's like, do you see the madness I'm getting at here? Like, I can't yes, be... Yes, yes, but the members of Congress that made their money, they can afford them. Oh, man, like, I, I like I feel like Alice <laughs> just falling down the, the rabbit hole of madness here, and, like, we have no way to get back up. <laughs> like, yeah. how, do we, how do we get out of this hole here? <laughs> oh, that gave me a did, really did... bad image in my head of Diane Feinstein as Cheshire Cat. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. She, oh, Think man. that when you go oh, to sleep. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Please, no. I know. I had to. I oh, had to. man. You're leaving that in for the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. Diane Feinstein is the Cheshire Cat Photoshop. Here we come tomorrow. Um. Uh, anyway, back on subject. What but, were we talking about? But anyway, so we... we so, the, so the National Firearms Act was basically a law passed to make it so people would have to pay to own certain firearms, which in itself is already unconstitutional. But the the idea was to control the average citizen from being able to own something like a Thompson submachine gun, a uh, Browning automatic rifle, basically anything full automatic, anything short, anything that could be, like you mentioned earlier, concealable. And... I mean, some people could argue that's a public safety thing, but at the same time, is I, I don't think that because, first off, we have the Second Amendment here in America, and I'm not even going to dive down that rabbit hole of right to keep and bear arms because I think you all know where I stand on that. And it's so you should be allowed to own a machine gun, in my opinion. I will say that. And in the guise of public safety or anything like that, yeah, the average person may or may not think you should be able to, but I think you have the right to do it. And the idea of controlling people, now it's, what was the point of it? It was to tax them. The whole idea was to make 
money. It wasn't about public safety. They said this idea was, hey, these things will be legal and fine as long as you can pay for them. Yeah, which doesn't necessarily make sense. Exactly. Think about it. Okay, you know, now granted, where do you see a lot of crime in more low-income areas? So, you know, just looking at it in black and white, hey, lower-income areas can't afford, you know, machine guns. That'll fix the problem. But that's not necessarily true. No, because the people there, if they if they want to commit a crime, they're still going to commit a crime, and they're going to do it with a machine gun. They're going to do it with a knife. They're going to do with it with whatever. I I spoke to a a police officer years ago who told me, you know, he rolled up and he saw these four kids, and the one was walking with an Uzi in his hand. He rolled up. He dropped. You know, he walked up on him. The the kid dropped it. But like, where did this yep. kid get that? I wish I could get an Uzi. Like, so you could just find that walking down the street. Yeah, I mean, so it to say that this gun control is stopping, you know, the crime on the streets. It's absolutely not. It's preventing people like you, me, the average person from actually owning this stuff. Uh, especially machine guns. Machine guns, as we mentioned, the National Firearms Act. Typically, with it is you have to pay the two hundred dollar tax stamp, and it would allow you to, you know, make or own one of these registered devices. But in the case yeah. of the machine gun, you can't even do that anymore after nineteen eighty six. They closed yeah, that. They cut that off. Yep. Which is even so. Now it's not even you can't own it. It's now. You know, goodbye. Yeah, what what's out there is there. So it's basically saying that, and and here's the biggest, the the biggest. See, all right, I'm getting a little heated here, because um, <laughs> because I feel very passionately about this, and the whole idea is they're basically now saying any firearm registered before this date was fine. Those are safe. Those are fine. But anyone after that is not okay unless you go follow these other rules, which is like the the manufacturing and and all that. Pretty much, you need like an SOT and. And what and what's the idea? You're doing it as a business, and you have to pay a tax. Well, yeah. the the idea well, is about special occupation taxpayer. It, oh, exactly. So what I'm getting at is it keeps getting. It's not about public interest and any of that. It, if if you think it is in public safety, I'm sorry, you're getting yourself at the end of the day. I mean, whatever you need to say to make yourself sleep at night, fine. But it's not. It's all about money. And 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 I'll use a little bit of interest. You know, a little bit of uh, my upbringing here. You know, from New Jersey. I know everyone just kind of shivered when they heard me say New Jersey. <laughs> I know I did. I know you did. And I want to put this thought for you. So when you want to go purchase a firearm in New Jersey, and you want, I'm going to use a handgun in particular. Let's say you've never purchased a firearm at this point, right? So mm-hmm. according to the old rules, at least back when I lived in New Jersey, you needed to have your firearms ID card. You also needed to have a pistol permit to purchase a pistol. And you also needed to submit to a background check at the time of purchase. Okay. So right there, that's three background checks. So let's say you just go to get your firearms ID card initially. That's your first background check. Okay. Then you go to get your pistol permit. It's your second background check. Then you go to purchase your pistol. At that time of sale, what is federal guidelines? Federal law says you have to, you know. Have a background check. Exactly. So you fill out a background check. They hit you three times Mm -hmm. for one firearm purchase. That was also New Jersey is, if if I recall correctly, back when I lived there, they were the most expensive state for the background checks. It was $15, I believe. And yeah, so and over here in Pennsylvania, it's five. So they would hit you at $15 for the background check at the point of sale. Your pistol permits, here's the kicker. To apply for the pistol permits, you had to pay for a fee. And then each mm-hmm. pistol permit was an additional $2 fee. And I believe yep. that just went up in the last uh, the last bill. So, yeah. that, um, But it's one of those things. It's like, okay, yeah, they're at it for the money, but then how many people does... So take 
on staff for them, you know, to conduct those background checks and handle all the paperwork and this and that. Well, I know what I mean. I can tell you one of those things. New Jersey, they don't have it. They 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 have like next to none. They no. Yeah, (laughs) they're they're very slow about it, and they do that on purpose Mm -hmm. because they don't want you to have a gun. Plain and simple. But now here's the thing. Okay, unless you can pay for it. Unless yeah. you can pay for it. Now, like, you can when we it. go back to, to NFA stuff, mm-hmm. would you feel better if it was, like, a once-and-done thing? Like, hey, I took my passport, photos, sent in my fingerprints. Now I can buy whatever I want. Mm, would I feel better about it? Probably a little bit better about it. Would I be happy about it? No. Yeah, still not happy about <laughs> it, but... I mean, it would be easier than the current process now, and I think that's part of the problem with now with the current process is you have to pay $200 per item, you have to wait, like we said, about 11 to 12 months, uh, yeah, potentially, about. something like that. Even if you e-file, which if you do it electronically, the thing I don't understand is what more are they running on your background check in that time than when you go run a NICS check or a PICS check? Yeah, how how much deeper of a check is it compared to, like, yeah, NICS or PICS for us in Pennsylvania, where, I mean, especially me, you run a background check, it's like, Okay, you just submit it, and it's like, okay, your approval note is. Yeah, exactly. Some people, you know, it was funny too, actually, because today, actually, one of the last people we actually had, we were selling a firearm to, they had kind of joked. They said, oh, let me know if I go pending, because I always go pending at this other shop, but I always go through quicker here, and I think it's because you guys do this. And it was kind of joking. Oh, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was funny. We kind of laughed. I said, you know, unfortunately, that's just your name, man. And it just happens to be that, that you, know, you have the, of a name. Yeah, or, you know, you just happen to have to wait a little bit. Whether you've bought 10 guns or 30 guns, It's I, there's no rhyme or reason to the background check system that I've been able to figure out yet. Yep. So, alrighty, man, what do you say we get wrapping this up? We've been we've been going on for quite a while. Yeah, we've been going on for a little bit on braces and stocks and, and the NFA in general. And, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's one thing that it, it's a little bit of a a political topic, and it's, you know, it, it's something that I think is extremely relevant today. It is. We're, we're hearing it constantly. I know right now the ATF is already talking about something, and that's kind of why we wanted to, you know, just kind of address this real quick, was, you know, there's just been a lot of stuff in the news, so we'll see what's coming up, what's, you know, what's on the horizon for us with braces, stocks, and, and the National Firearms Act in general, because quite quite honestly, I think the National Firearms Act is, it's obsolete. Outdated. It's yeah. outdated. It never it never truly filled the purpose it was intended to serve, and that was to stop violent crime and keep these firearms out of criminals' hands, and that's never been the case because we all know criminals do not follow the laws. That's why they are criminals. They're not law-abiding citizens. I mean, so it's, it's just what it is. Yeah. So on that note, I still have to say I am firmly against the pistol braces i will always be an sbr guy see and, and that's but, the thing yeah i i, I can't say I, I shouldn't say that having a short barrel rifle is a bad thing per se because no. you, you have more benefits with a stock you really do i just don't like the idea of having to register and pay pay for something you should that you should legally be allowed to own yep but like i always joke around with customers you know what i've spent two hundred dollars on a lot worse stuff you know <laughs> That's true. And in your case, I mean, you're heck, also... go to the casino for about three hours. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's very true. And yeah. that, that's one way to look at it. I just don't like having to pay it. And being being an American, the idea of, the, yep. you know, I'm getting the, the cries of the 1776 and taxation is theft, taxation is theft. 
<laughs> Here we are, $200. Yes, daddy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. See, Duke knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's shaking. Say, he's shaking. shaking. He's saying, nah. He's like, no, no, no. It's actually, no, no, no. With that being said, I'm sure, you know, down the road, I probably will end up being, being diving down the SBR rabbit hole. But yeah, yep. it comes to the stocks is stocks versus brace, you know, in the NFA. There's there's a lot open to interpretation right now. And we've had so many new gun owners in the past two years. I think just trying to put even more strain on people. It's just not right right now. Yeah. One thing I have to say, though, mm-hmm. is buyer beware. I mean, yeah. you have a lot of these companies coming out with stuff that to their interpretation is legal and meets the guidelines. But it. <laughs> it might not be uh, the best fit for the ATF, if that makes sense. And a lot is open to interpretation. And oh, again, yes. At absolutely. the end of the day, we're not lawyers. The people nope. you watch on YouTube, they're not lawyers either. So don't take any of their stuff. So don't take any stuff really as legal advice. And just keep in mind. It's your, it, you're on the line at the end of the day, so you want to do and stay legal as possible and fight with it. And stop idea. writing the ATF letters, because that's yeah. what starts all of this. Yeah, really. Why do people write the ATF? Like, it's not like Santa Claus, where they're going to, where he's going to come and give you, like, you know, your machine gun you wanted. Like, hey, can I do this? No, stop asking permission. Stop. We're Americans. We don't ask for permission. <laughs> yeah, we wait until somebody says, hey, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Duh. Tyler, on that note, where can they find you at? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Under a hiding. bridge. Under a yeah, bridge hiding. hiding. Hiding, screaming conspiracy theories. There's a fourth shooter on the grass and no, his name is John. Whoa, whoa, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> but no, seriously, you guys can find me uh, Facebook, Instagram at Precision Rifle Works and also at www.precisionrifleworks.com. And you can find myself over on Instagram at SitePicture762. And you can also find me on YouTube, which I need to post more on with SitePicture762 as well. And then we last... get some shooting videos. Yeah, we really need to. We're going to have some, you know, we're actually going to have, you know, a little bit more coming soon where we're going to get some shooting videos up and stuff like that. We actually have some stuff we're going to announce pretty soon. And, you know, you'll be able to hear that news if you follow us over on Instagram at Across the Gun Counter. Or follow us over on our website at acrossthegungcounter.com, where we really got to post more on the blog, man. I I keep saying that. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I also, I got some more future prep stuff for that, that actually, after we're done recording, I want to talk to you about that I think you're going to find pretty cool. So, All right, let's get it. Until then, guys, you know, make sure you're not using a Dremel for all your gunsmithing projects, because that doesn't make you a gunsmith. That makes me cry. Okay. All right, guys. Take care. Stay safe. And yeah, stay away from the Dremel. Bad Dremel. Bad Dremel. <laughs> Catch you later, guys.